Hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tavalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Clear the field, smooth it low, let no weed or stubble stand. Here we labor, here we toil, here the towering trees will grow. An Ogier song. Hello and welcome back. I'm here with my good friend Tracy. I'm here with my good friend Amber. And this is the Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. And today, I feel like there has been such a drought of wheel of time news and we've we Ooh. got some cool stuff the other day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we can talk about it later it's it's not official news or anything like that but besides that today is our ogier 101 if you hadn't guessed from the quote <laughs> <laughs> i mean maybe we were going to be talking about agriculture and uh its progression through you know age of legends to present day that would be stimulating for all listeners third age lumberjacking let's go no the ogier will be much more much more entertaining before we start with ogier stuff do we want to talk about any any i mean really anything yes always um i'm the tangent queen what are the things that you want to talk about? Well, it was just what I sent you hmm. last night. Oh, yeah, Cast yeah, yeah. speculation. Yes. I, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I seriously, like, when you sent me, what is the name of this one? This one actor. Raga Ragnar's son. Ragnar, Ra- Raga Ragnar's daughter. Is that is that who that first one? Yes, this blue-eyed babe. She'd make an excellent Brigida. That's who like the thought is, right? Is that she's? Well, I've seen a lot of people say. Well, I've seen okay, from <laughs> from the things that I was seeing last night, there was a lot of people saying, "I think she's Aiel. I think she could be Avienda or Brigida." And, I mean, we've talked about this before, like, mm-hmm. me and you. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, she was my Brigida mm-hmm. fan cast. Yes, she was. I maybe remember that. a year ago or something. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. But, you know, this is, this is just more confirmation that Rafe <laughs> Judkins listens. Dude, it's okay. You can just come out and let everybody know. <laughs> Or maybe the casting director. Someone. Someone listens to it and they run into the writers meeting and they're like, guys. They're doing it again. (laughs) They've come up with even more ideas. What do you think? This is. (laughs) This is how the show is actually being shaped from behind the scenes, everyone. The secret is out. (laughs) Okay, here's my here's my reasoning. If if you have no idea who this woman is, she played Kunhild 
on Vikings. I mm-hmm. believe that was her her name, but she is. I want to say she's a little bit over six foot, mm. which, I mean, that sounds kind nice. of ideal like, but she's a record holder swimmer. She is very athletic. This was why I picked her as my Brigida fan cast because yeah. I've been saying this like the physicality of someone who you need to see as this expert archer. Mm-hmm. And well, she's I mean, doing kind of like trick shots and, you know, off the back of a horse and never misses. And I feel like you have to kind of embody that physicality. Well, and I'm thinking you know? like for someone who is an exceptional swimmer, I would imagine so many of those muscles, like your upper use body of them, strength. Yeah, would really translate into being able to have the muscle strength and potentially coordination to be able to like. And who knows, maybe on the sides she's like, I love hanging out and playing with my bow and arrow on the weekend. I mean, I don't know what she does in her spare time. <laughs> well, you know? I mean, on, on Vikings, she's shot a bow before. I mean, I've seen... Nice! Ooh, that's even seen better. Seen her with a bow. Okay. I only got, like, two seasons into Vikings, and then I think I got distracted by something else. So I haven't yeah, even gotten she's on to the like part. the last, the mm-hmm. last season, two seasons maybe. I don't remember. Yeah, it's been a long time, but I remember you sending yeah. me pictures of her from, like, while she was a cast member on Vikings, and like seeing her kind of all kitted out like a warrior and like dirty like a warrior. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, she's a, she's a warrior. <laughs> Check her yes. out. I love it. Yeah. But She's people great. are thinking Avienda? Is, yeah. I think it might be the height thing. Like, okay. ideal, tall, strong. And, too, if you watched Vikings, she's a beast. I mean, she is, like, <laughs> the female warrior. So I can see why people would think Avienda. But for me, the look just... It's, it's that braid, you yeah, know? Yeah, it screams Brigida. It just screams it at me. Yeah. I can so Agreed. easily see her doing some of the super Brigida moments that we see throughout the books. Like, just based off of her face. I'm like, you have strength. Yeah. I like you. Yeah. And I mean, this is just to point out, this is clearly speculation. This mm-hmm. is not a casting announcement by any means. This is just <laughs> groups you mean we're of not, people. We're not the officials <laughs> for announcing yeah. things. Yeah. We're, we're omniscient is... when it comes to these things. If we've said it, uh... it's probably going to happen. <laughs> This is just because, like, looking at people's Instagram feeds and who follows who, and her and Rafe Judkins follow each other, and some of these other characters that are, or actors, actresses that are following other show cast members and Mm -hmm. Rafe Judkins. So, you know, like, we've got people doing their detective work and Watt series reported on this. And they're kind of like, I love 
going to them mm-hmm. and seeing what they're up to and what they're piecing out. They've always got fun stuff on their website. So Ayula Smart, is that the next? Yes. Okay. She's gorgeous <clears throat> as well. Yeah. I could, a lot of people are saying her for Avienda, and I see it. And she's Irish, so really? I'm pretty sure the Aiel have a little bit of, like, Irish... I don't know, like Robert Jordan took some Irish-based things in the, I don't know, in the whole creation of the Aiel. I think there's like Zulu in there and Irish and Native American, but I could I could see the Aiel with maybe an Irish accent. <laughs> Raga... Raga, the one that I like for Birgitta, Mm -hmm. she's Icelandic, and I think that would lend really well to hearing, like, it's spoken, her speaking the old tongue with maybe, like, her Icelandic Mm -hmm. maybe accent or so, because the actor that played Luz Theron, Alexander Kareem, he's a Nordic speaker as well so i think like doing the old tongue maybe that would be a link maybe i'm just you know going full-blown conspiracy theorist right now why not i mean everything about (laughs) this like speculation up on my wall (laughs) mapping things out i love it do you have like push but yeah like yeah, red can't string. Ayula <laughs> smart though. She's gorgeous. She's, I mean, she's she has red hair. Mm-hmm. She has curly hair, mm-hmm. like coily curly hair, which I like it. I think that's fine. Yeah, no, I like it a lot. Actually, like I was gonna say, her hair color makes me feel Ayul. And I even feel as though, like, her skin tone feels like it's a... She's quite sun-kissed looking, yes, isn't yes, she? Yes, thank you. Like, that's what I was thinking, is, like, she looks like she absorbs the sun when she's outside. Do you know what I mean? Like, some people have that look. I'm not one of them. Um, but she definitely, like, I love that. I just sent you, like, this cute little video of her, like dancing around it's adorable she's adorable if anyone sure has sent it to me i put it oh i oh. sent it to i sent it through On... instagram to the roots tarvalon thing account and she looks quite a bit younger i mean yeah like good point doesn't feel like she's she's still she's still kind of young you know she doesn't feel like her full-fledged which is great self just yeah yeah she looks like she fits into an age bracket with madeline madden yeah yeah exactly where raga i see her 
I th- it might be the height too, but she just looks really stately, I like she's lived yeah. life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there's something about her. She is gazing at you with a maturity and self possession, and I'm like, oh, of a woman who has been reborn and respawned many a time, right? <laughs> yeah, I I really think that that is a good. I think that would be such a good pairing, and I think if this this actress ends up being Avienda, I would not Ayula Smart, I would not be sad about this. No, I like I like her. Yeah. I like her look. Yep. I'm sure you... I like her acting. All of the actors that they've chosen for the show have been great. There are just pictures of her like on her Instagram feed with like it's like Frankie Adams. You know what I mean? Like that really genuine smile it's inviting man yeah. now i really want her to be in the she's, show right Please she's be in the just show. like a natural beauty you mm-hmm. know what i mean like yeah oh i like her okay who, who are the, the other, other people on here is jay duffy i get gawain vibes from this blonde haired blue-eyed chiseled jaw <laughs> I mean he looks like every man that's been on The Bachelor <laughs> if that makes sense <laughs> it'll, make, it'll make it easy for me to dismiss him yeah. <laughs> <laughs> meh okay okay so I'm gonna look him up too so if he's if he is the actor that would be playing Gawain do we know if he has like any kind of um, like weapons experience background or anything? To be honest, I know far less about him and the last actor mentioned in the article than I do the the other two. But maybe that's just because <laughs> I, saw, <laughs> I saw the first one and I was like, oh. Okay. No, Jay Duffy, I don't... Okay, I'm looking at his IMDb. Oh. Yeah? He was on Vikings as well. Okay. He's definitely fit. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Is that right? Is he really movies and TV shows? No, maybe. Oh, that was my recent. That was my recent mm. research. <laughs> he's been on. He's been on Dairy Girls. That's the only one that I know. I love Dairy Girls. Who is he on Dairy Girls? He was in Handsome Devil, Playground, Dairy Girls, and a show called my left nut (laughs) (laughs) okay i I get i get a gawain vibe i don't know i could be totally wrong totally wrong he could be he could be aiel he could be anyone any of these people could be anyone they could be no one they could be not even in the show so true but dang pure speculation should we move to the last before we take up too much time? We this? absolutely should. <laughs> yes. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. Celia Mendez Jones. I hope I said Celia correctly. I'm apologize if she, she, they, he, they go by all the pronouns I saw on Instagram. So I'm not quite sure about the pronunciation, but when I see this face, you already know who I think it is, who I yeah. want it to be anyways. Understandably so. Like, I want this beautiful human to be Galad. Yeah. Because, I mean, that has been that has been the big thing is like. Galad is supposed to be so beautiful that people can't stop staring at him. And I have to say. <laughs> right. Right. Hmm. Oh, the thirst of time continues. Right. And I feel so bad because I understand that this is so much more than like those descriptions of Galad. But in so many ways, I felt like that was going to be the thing that people are going to be like, oh, my gosh, he's just he's not anywhere near as pretty as Galad is supposed to be. And I'm like, right. I, don't, I don't I don't know if I could say that. In this particular case, I'd be like, no, I think you've, I think this is success. Well, here's some more clues why I think, like, maybe we could be right about Mm -hmm. this, is the set in Morocco that we had talked about earlier, Mm -hmm, thinking, mm -hmm. hoping maybe this was a lot of Aiel sets, Mm -hmm. What Up reported that there have been flags spotted outside of the Jerusalem set. The, it's like the built set, so mm, not mm-hmm. in like UNESCO or in the desert or anything. This is like a walled fortress type set. Is it one of the ones that we looked at before when we were talking about it? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. It was the. I think it's the same one they used on Game of Thrones, where maybe Marine. I want to say. Okay. But the flags that were placed there are having people believe that this is most likely going to be the Falma set mm-hmm. because of the flags that are there. So it's, it's a guess, more speculation, but... Okay, okay. But I what Watt Siri said <laughs> is that Raga, Ragnars, and Ayula Smart, the two that we talked about first have been possibly spotted in Morocco. Mm. So, like, I could see it being far more likely that Brigida would show up in Falma and not, you know, some of the others, like Jay Duffy or Celia, if they were playing, like, Galad and Gawain. I don't think they would end up in Falma. But they but would if Ayula if Ayula Smart is Avienda, Morocco would be the place to shoot Aiel scenes. Yeah, I was just thinking because we have Aguin and Nynaeve at the tower. That's where they meet Gowan and Galad for the first time. I don't I don't want to get my hopes up, but at the same time. I'm really, 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 really hoping for the Elida intro scene where she like comes in and kind of breaks Swoops up. In. Yes, and like 
Galad is like, I don't want to have another encounter with Elida and like takes off and Gawain's not far behind and they would need to be there for that. I mean, maybe not Absolutely. Meet, but well, I mean, it would make it would make more sense getting everyone together in yeah. one spot. Yeah. I mean, have these two individuals, uh, Jay Duffy and Delia Mendez Jones, have they been seen in Morocco? Not from what I've seen online, but mm-hmm. I believe the daughter heir, Kira Kovni, mm-hmm. she posted a Instagram video. It might have been her or Madeline Madden. I don't remember who it was. Mm-hmm. But there were people in the background that when they saw the little quick video, everyone was like screenshotting. Like, who is this? Who is this? <laughs> and from what it looks like, Celia was in the background. Okay. And it's just now after this you know, much later time has passed. Okay. This came out that people are like, oh my gosh, that was this person in the background of this video. So more clues. <laughs> Do we have a land fear cast already? I think so. Okay. Um with how striking Zelia is perhaps also a contender for a land fear if land fear hasn't been cast yet. Yeah, I could see that, too. But I think, too, like, um, there's a woman named Karima McAdams mm-hmm. that is another speculated casting, you know, can't mm-hmm. say for certain. But if you look her up, she gives think... me fear vibes. I think she's Greek and Irish, I want to say. <laughs> Greek-Irish, I'm looking her up right now, Greek-Irish-Moroccan. Wow. And she's, I mean, she's beautiful. She's older uh-huh. than any of these people that we're talking about in the current, like, four. Well, and that would that would make sense. Like, as much as Lanfear likes to pretend she's a 16-year-old girl for some odd reason, she's not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we don't need we don't need Lanfear to be like age because I mean and, and Galad is just a little bit older than Gawain, Avienda, and Rand. So and maybe it's just the fact maybe Zelia just looks like more mature. I don't know. Yeah, this Karima McAdams is a model and she was, get this, she was the seventh model for Laura Croft Tomb Raider, the video game. Wow. So she's got the, she's got the body, right? Of course. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Good for her. Right? Okay, what is her last name? Crema what? McAdams? I feel like you've shown her picture to me before. Yeah, yeah, she's, I remember she's this. Very, she's lovely. She's beautiful. I mean, all of these people are. What can I say? But still. Ooh, yeah. Her body type, though, is very, like, she's very long. And she's fit. 
So yeah. yeah. I love that. Oh, and she also looks like just a real human being too. <laughs> I love it when we get to see people like not just done up for events like this, but like, this is my everyday tousled look. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> I need, I need that. Uh, okay, that was, wow. Okay, she's, she's really beautiful. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I really, I want this Celia for Galan so bad, so badly. Yeah. It would it be. makes so much sense to me. Yeah. I sat and scrolled through Instagram for a while, just like observing like body movements as I could through like still images. And there's just like a grace and poise about them that's very appealing. Yes. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And I think Galad needs that. Like he needs to be unflappable. And for some reason, too, like, I'm just picturing them in the white... Nope. Spoiler. Free time. <laughs> Fake out. You're <laughs> so let's, funny. Let's move on to Ogier. Ogier time. Ogier time. Tracy, who are the Ogier? Or Amber, who are the Ogier? <laughs> I'll ask myself because... Please do. Yeah, I'm. I'm so mostly the, here as a as giggly support. <laughs> a little background on the Ogier origins. So they have this artifact known as the Book of Translations, and we don't really know what this book looks like, and how or how it works. Mm. It's just that they can open this book and it can tr <laughs> transport the entire race of Ogier between different worlds. So other worlds could potentially mean different planets and like a different solar system mm -hmm. or something like mirror worlds. Mm -hmm. So it said when the appropriate age comes again, they will return to their mother world via the book of translation so that's how they got here yeah that's how they got on ran land we don't know why or how but <laughs> is the book of translation really a big book is it is it a book is it somehow a tree and they call it the book of translation <gasps> you know what what that is an awesome idea i mean think about I'm how they feel about their book. trees yeah and what yeah. if like what if the book of translation is like connected to all of the uh like the great trees and that's how they all that's how all of the ogier can be lifted away together? Oh, I love that. I mean, it's a lot better than the pamphlet of translation. <laughs> Maybe there the brochure of translation. Door to door. <laughs> Maybe they're like the Mormons of the Wheel of Time. They showed up in Ranland and were like, we're here to talk about Have you our heard... Lord and Savior, the trees. The trees, exactly. <laughs> Do you mind if we come inside? Uh, <laughs> I have a bunch of books with me. I, 
I did not learn that about the Ogier until like the last two years or whatever that that was even a thing. I still think it's really they're aliens. Alien Ogier. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I think I have more theories on the Ogier than <laughs> any other person, creature, whatever in the Wheel of Time. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about it. Do you want to go on to appearance? Yes. Okay. So, and I'm glad that you saw this too, because I think, I think there is a discrepancy discrepancy on height. I don't know why I'm making a big deal out of it. Um, but men stand about eight feet tall, and women slightly shorter. And then you said that your research found an average of ten feet, which is closer to what I had always thought it was. So. Yeah, and I originally thought something like eight feet. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know There's, what's going on. We can just say nine. They're nine feet tall on average. Just put it right in the middle. That's what it is. It's tall. Tall. Yeah, like generally described in the series as being half again as tall as an average sized man. They have broad noses, wide mouths, long tufted ears, and they're very expressive. They have very expressive ears and eyes frequently referred to as being the size of teacups. And I love that image. Oh, saucer eyes. <laughs> it makes them feel like childlike in some ways by giving them those almost abnormally large sized eyes. But no one talks about Ogier ears in polite company because they are a secondary erogenous zones. So maybe we should scrap everything that has been said. (laughs) And talk about that. Yeah, well, (laughs) I I was going to say, like, remove it for decency's sake. Just, like, beep it out. (laughs) They have very expressive beep. Um, <laughs> but I like to what I was looking, looking things up, that it was said that their ears are never like fully shown. Like they're always mm. kind of like partially hidden under their hair because fully exposed ears. The scandal. Oh, <laughs> I didn't. Scandalous. I didn't, I didn't read that. That's so fun. But then they are unfortunately frequently mistaken for Trollocs especially by people who have seen neither Trollocs or Ogier and this unfortunately is found somewhat offensive by the Ogier. They're fairly laid back so they don't make too huge of a deal of it but it certainly is not pleasant to be confused with a Trolloc I'm pretty sure. And too like Trollocs are just stinky. Right? You know? Yeah. Isn't that something that comes up in the books? I feel like they're like, <laughs> sniff the air. Yeah. yeah. Spreading their filth around. They're just gross. Who wants to be associated with that? Yeah. And I mean, in the books, I've always loved the way that like their clothing is described. And I mean, there's no Trolloc that's going to wear anything half as cute as like what the Yuki are wearing. So I feel like the wardrobe alone should make you at least look at it twice. Unless, unless, (laughs) 
Aganor has become an exceptional parent. Seems and it's like, come here. I got your I got your new clothes fit for you. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, um but then they have they also have like really long long lives. This is true. Yeah, you put in you put in the other details, so it's gonna let you So like... typically their lifespan is about four times of that of a human. And there's this theory that's like floated about within the wheel of time world, not like people on the internet, that they li- they live these longer lives due to their huh. slow and steady, deliberate lifestyle. And then due to these very long lives, they tend to look at the past like with fresh eyes. So their memories of, you know, wars and troubled times feel recent to them. Yeah. Where our human folk, they're like, oh, like, nobody's read that book in a hundred years or something. But an Ogier can tell you all about it. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Like, a lot of times when Ogier are out traveling, they're looking for cities that have names that have been changed for centuries they're still kind of my gosh how awful would that be you know like (laughs) what feels like just years to you your Mm -hmm. street name keeps changing and you're like god damn it where's our house where am i my gps never gets updated because that's what happens to us on the roads to tarfallen is that why we're so lost (laughs) they keep changing the street names like exactly what happened (laughs) <laughs> I'm thinking of The Wire now. Did you ever watch that show? Mm-mm. Is it good? Yeah, it's an older TV show, but they change the street names to confuse the cops. <laughs> hmm. Segway, not needed. But anyways. <laughs> um, The thing about them having these longer lives also means that they consider humans to be hasty and excitable and rash like they make decisions without really thinking about it but i mean if a human spent the amount of time thinking about something the way that ogier do they'd be dead before they made a decision so yeah i guess when you have yeah. that to compare it to probably does feel very that way ent like you know yeah like lord of the rings don't be hasty. <laughs> they have an intense love of knowledge and peace. They are known to be incredibly loyal and trustworthy. And I have to wonder if it's because of how they feel about knowledge that they also have that reflective viewpoint of peace. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I get what you're putting down there. <laughs> you you don't wanna you don't wanna act abruptly when you when you've seen so often the consequences of things play out and of course you don't want to make a mistake you want to come at it from all the angles Mm -hmm. and they have the history they've seen it happen so Mm -hmm. yeah I mean that's the other thing is it's so like you said it's so much fresher for them so any recent quote-unquote recent 
war that has happened, the memory of it is still fresh for them. So the atrocities and the casualties, like they remember that in a way that humans don't. So maybe the Ogier are like a handbrake for humankind. Eh. Yeah. I mean, maybe they would be if they actually came out of the studying, but I don't know. They are associated as being gentle and relatively laid back, easygoing, but they are capable of becoming fierce and formidable warriors if need be. Uh, even an untrained Ogier is capable of taking on a Trolloc with ease. An do you think that's true? Like an untrained Ogier? I, I would say I agree because Trollocs are stupid. They need the Merdral to push them and maneuver them. That's because true. If, if they didn't have their Merdral handlers, they would just run amok <laughs> uh -huh. and be completely worthless. Yeah. So an Ogier has the intelligence on their side that's and the size. True. And they love running. They can run for a very long time. So, <laughs> Okay, cool. I'm glad that I so asked. So they seem like fit. You know, they can be athletic, the, mm -hmm. the Ogier. And they've got huge muscles. They're ripped, really ripped abs. <laughs> you just can't see it under all the hair. Well, and their clothing. They wear clothing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about, yeah, okay. Loyal is, <laughs> Loyal is like covering up oh, his six-pack. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> That's really why he was being so modest in the Nope. He didn't want to like make anybody else feel bad that their physique was not on point like his. Are you mean that's why he wasn't taking his clothes off? Yeah, yeah. He didn't want to make anybody feel bad. He was like puny Makes humans. Sense. They yeah. already have such short lives. <laughs> I don't need them to develop a complex while we're at it. Exactly. Now I'm just picturing like all the Ogier. Oh my gosh. Oh, we need no. to move on. Okay. This is ridiculous. <laughs> um, so in attachment to the gentle versus fierce fighter, there's a saying that is to anger the Ogier and bring the mountains down on your head. The idea behind that being... It's difficult to make it happen and terrifying when it does. So keep those Ogier happy. Yeah. Yep. Do you want to take the love of growing trees? No. <laughs> I don't, actually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so they have a deep love and affinity for nature, growing things, especially trees. One of the things that I read said that even their writing resembles growing vines and leaves. I just think it's so cute. And then the other thing as far as like this affinity to trees is concerned is that the Ogier can do something called tree singing where they can sing to trees. Eloquent as ever, Tracy. <laughs> you know, they, I they, I will go I will go work, further. Yeah, go ahead. They work the the wood with song and the wood can like create new things. Mm -hmm. Like they sing to it and what used to be wood is now a beautiful chair or something like that. Yeah. And they also have the ability of seed singing. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like an olden timey thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to get too much into it because, again, spoilers. Yeah. It's also something similar to tree singing, only this is kind of more like affecting the weather and actually like helping plants grow instead of like turning a plant into an object, Mm -hmm. I guess, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I think it does. And then like building on what you said about their like beautiful writing that resembles growing vines and leaves they Mm -hmm. have their own language called ogier script Mm. and it's their own like written language and they really like have this affinity for telling stories and recounting history and they're almost a very scholarly Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. species Either either one. I mean, maybe species okay. would be better in this species. case because they're not. I mean, they're not humans, so. Yeah, so yeah, they've they've got a lot going on in that aspect. They're they do have a love of nature, but they also have a love of creating. Yes, yeah, they really don't like to destroy things at all it seems like even their like homes and stuff feel as though they're they're kind of built and meant to mimic and adapt well to the settings where they live glory to the builders indeed so what are their social structure like Mm -hmm. yeah this was another place where i found like a fairly large discrepancy. So one source said that the population of Ogier was around 250,000. And then there was another source that said that it was 500,000. So we're just going to say it can be anywhere between those two numbers and call that good enough. Um, But it's also hard to know that for sure because Ogier just do not keep records of things like births and deaths and whatnot, so. There's not a great Ogier census. I, you know what, that actually really surprises me. Like for- Right? Yeah, like for a group of people who keep track of like their lineage through their name, I would feel as though they would track the length of period a person or an Ogier was alive and what they did during that time. And to, like, not have it recorded just feels... Maybe they're too busy reading. <laughs> got sidetracked. They got sidetracked. I'm sorry, honey. You're 90 now. It's way too late to go put your name in the in the birth records. <laughs> oh, this my is... gosh. Can you imagine how awful their birthday parties would be? Like, how many candles <laughs> on the cake? Honestly. How many cakes to hold all the candles? This is true. Be so many. I mean, you know, Ogier are big. They probably need big cakes. Big cakes, tiny candles. There you go. Yeah. That's yeah. how that's how it should be done. One of the things that I thought that was kind of cool when I was looking up the locations and mm-hmm. the numbers and it was that there are 41 inhabited steadings in the known world, which in my opinion, that would exclude Shan Chen or 
like unvisited island continents mm. or something <gasps> like that. Do you think do you think there's a an Ogier setting on that like Isle like of like an Ogier island? Although that would be cool too. But I was like, man, it'd be so wild if there was one like in the middle of that that one continent that's like to the south of the Westlands. We talked about it a while ago. Well, I feel like the Isle of Mad Men would destroy that setting pretty quick. Do you think that they would? Well, they have no control. I mean, do they? Okay. Mm-hmm. If they're if they're going mad, I and feel it... like it would be like Kong Skull Island, and it would just be yeah like, rampaging. Well, and you saying that reminds me of the description that says that it's a place where it feels as though the breaking has never ended. So in that case, yeah, I don't think a setting would have been able to survive. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways. Sorry. Sorry. Going back to. No, no, no. I love it. Love a good tangent. Good. So there's these 41 inhabited settings. And this is including pretty much everywhere except Shanchen or these unvisited islands or wherever. Mm-hmm. The average setting size is roughly 6,000. Mm-hmm. And each setting is governed by a council of elders. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I found when I was looking up, like the amount of gear like per setting mm-hmm. or like the concentrations and what I thought that was really cool is that the biggest concentration of gear are on the spine of the world because there's 12 settings there Wacky. and the second largest surprised me the second largest was in the borderlands oh, I was gonna seven. guess that because you said it surprised some... you yeah I don't know like I don't know why I thought that there would be less Ogier in the Borderlands, but well, considering I don't know. how much like has been lost in the Borderlands anyway, like the fact that even six Steading have survived. Yeah, yeah. It just seems. I mean, I guess. I guess if you you know wherever you make your home, that's your home, and you don't leave it because it's more dangerous or whatever. Oh but, yeah. But maybe, like, I don't know, are these Borderland Ogier a little bit more, hmm, are they more of, like, fighters than, than the ones. for example, the, the Kyrianen Ogier? Yeah. Ooh, that's a good question. And why haven't they, like, come together to, to fight against the raids of Trollocs? They don't want to be hasty, probably, but... <laughs> But you know, like, if... Well, there's also the fact, too, that Trollocs and Fades and stuff don't really go into Steading, so they're protected in that aspect. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it would make it impossible to leave the Steading Mm -hmm. if you wanted to, or if you needed to for some reason, Mm -hmm. if you've got hordes of Trollocs camped out front. Right, it would be a nuisance, I guess, is what I'm saying. It, Yeah, yeah. I think if every time I tried to leave 
my happy place. There are a bunch of trolleys <laughs> you back your car. <laughs> you back your car out of the driveway to go to Trader Joe's, and you're like, damn it, Aiden, another trolley. Oh, so frustrating. Oh, I guess we'll order pizza. Again. <laughs> Delivery boy is like, why, God, why? Okay. Um, okay. Settings are home terra. Okay, yeah. So, if a if an ogier stays outside of a setting for too long, and too long can be years, basically, but still they develop a sickness called the longing, which can prove fatal if they are unable to find their way back to their setting. And they are beautiful, serene places filled with great trees. And books. (gasps) I love the great trees. I just (laughs) love them so much. I don't know. It's so cool. They're massive. It Mm -hmm. doesn't sound like anything that could be real, but I mean, they're unnaturally large Mm -hmm. to the point where my brain can't fully envision what one would look like because they are so large. Mm Mm-hmm. And we, br- I brought this up during setting Sofu chapters in The Great Hunt, mm-hmm. but a person is looking at <laughs> the stump of one of these great trees mm-hmm. that had been damaged and cut down for whatever reason, and they're saying to themselves, like, it's over 100 paces across easily. And when I did the math, like, that's well over the size of a soccer field or American football stadium or something like that. And to picture something that big that you could essentially, like, stand on, like, Mm -hmm. it's like the biggest stage in the world, Mm -hmm. you know? And I just think if I were a set designer or someone for the TV (laughs) show... If someone came to me with that information, I would have immediate, like, excitement Mm -hmm. and, you know, all the ideas running through my head, like, oh, how can we do this? And then I think I would be momentarily, I think, just nervous or Mm -hmm. scared out of my mind, like, okay, how is this possible? How can we make this in a way that feels realistic and not just completely CGI'd because I mean Tracy I can't I mean I'm looking out my window right now I can't picture what that would look like Mm-mm. no a tree some bigger than a football s- field no <laughs> no that's huge I mean you could march Aiden's entire marching band from high school on a tree stump that big yeah I mean, which brings us to our next point: the <laughs> their their Ogier meetings. They're not having band practice, but <laughs> they have something called a stump, which yeah. is like their meeting. And a lot of the times, these meetings will take place on the stump of their great trees, and they polish them up real nice and make them shine. I'm guessing, and yeah, they that's where they do their official business of course they're not gonna let a stump of a great tree go wasted 
you know, of and course. not like yeah. still continue to honor and care for it and make it a part of their their life in an important way. Aww. So much Such love for the point. trees. Yeah. Um, so there is a peace and rejuvenation brought about by the steading. It sounds delightful. Like, as if the trees in the books weren't enough, it just sounds like just pure relaxation going there. But it just feels so good. But it feels so good. But it also makes it so any Chandler can no longer sense the source. And it makes a, I'm, I don't know, there are hypotheses around why that happens, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, I would say that it has something to do with the settings being like a pocket world. Like the physics inside the setting are different from Wheel of Time world because the trees are essentially like grown by the oak year and this is part of their mother world Mm -hmm. mother planet Mm -hmm. i don't know which one but so like it's almost like they've created their own little bubble there where the regular physics of wheel of time world don't work yeah and that would mean like cutting off the source the ability to channel within Mm -hmm. and i mean again like this is why trollocs and Merdral won't enter settings. Like, they were created with the one power and with some genetic manipulation. Uh So I would feel like whatever created them is essential to part of their being. So when they're inside a setting, like, it would feel unnatural for them as well. And I mean, that's why, like... I was just going to ask, do you think it would make them feel like they're being pulled apart? Like, yeah, if, like, the I fabric do. of what made them was not present. Like, on a molecular level. Yeah, they're just, yeah. Yes. Like, oh, man. Ooh. Yeah, creepy, huh? Yeah. I like it, though. Yeah. And it's also said, too, like, this isn't just, I mean, Trollocs won't go unless the Merdral mushes them in. And a lot of the times, like, a Merdral will never enter a setting unless it's a very, very last resort type of thing. Yeah. But, I mean, that's, we've already talked about that, but what I think is interesting is that dark friends that are, like, really dedicated to the side of the shadow, if they enter a setting, they will feel very unwelcome and uncomfortable inside. So, I mean... If I were a white cloak, that's where I'd be having my interviews, I guess. (laughs) Suspected dark friends, you know? Use it as your screening process. Yeah. Just meet us us in this random location. Um, Yeah. Are you you sweating, sir? Mm -hmm. Something wrong? Anything anything you want to tell me? (gasps) I'm just thinking about the... the, Oh, gosh. Can we talk about the eye of the world? Is that a spoiler? Oh. Let's just say this. Yeah. Maybe that's why 
a group of filthy white cloaks would be hanging out in a setting <laughs> for that extra dark friend repellent, maybe. Oh, and I mean, okay, never mind. That would also be a spoiler. I won't get into that. But I think you have a point. I think you have a point. Thank I would, you. I would do that. It's a see what I mean. Yeah. Charl- I I'm a I'm a <laughs> oakier theorist. Theorist. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. So, did we already talk about this for the stump? Not the great stump. Okay. So. When matters of huge importance must be decided for all the Ogier, a great stump is called. And this is a meeting of Ogier elders from every setting coming together to research, debate, and determine a course of action. And this does not happen very often, even by Ogier standards. I feel like up to where the books start, there's perhaps like at a thousand year gap since the last great stump had been held and another thing that's interesting too is the heads of these ogier elders councils are usually a woman Mm -hmm. so they do have a somewhat matriarchal society Mm -hmm. where the mothers and the wives usually have more authority than the husbands Mm -hmm. and the sons Mm mm-hmm Marriages are decided by the mothers and by the uh, the young women interested. It's not the men approaching the women. It's it's the mothers that get together and determine that their young Ogier belong together. Yeah, and the the bride Ogier mm-hmm. gives consent to the marriage, but the groom doesn't have that luxury, <laughs> <laughs> that right, I should say. Well, don't they have, like, that whole theory where it's, like, you wouldn't know it was right for you unless it bit you on the face kind of thing when it comes to, like, their their young male Ogier, like, making decisions and whatnot? I think Loyal says that, like... <gasps> I hmm. mean, I, I could understand... Okay, this is going to get weird, but okay. I could understand if... What if the Ogier, like, puberty is really long, so they're, like, teenagers oh for my gosh. Like, 100 years? I mean, what is it? At 90, they're still, like, a teenager. So can you imagine if you're stuck in perpetual, like, hormonal... Puberty? Perpetual puberty? puberty. <laughs> <laughs> for that long? Of course the mothers would be like, you have no idea... March back inside the setting. Mm-hmm. You're not going anywhere. You are thinking with your ears. Back in you go. But mom. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. I mean, maybe it would, it stands to reason. It does feel as though Loyal gets kind of treated really similarly to the way that Perrin, Rand, and Matt get treated. By various females in their social circles, as well as outside of them. I can't stop. I'm on an Ogier theory (laughs) roll today. Maybe we need a counter for all of your theories. Right? I love it. So, economy. They do have, like, jobs, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I mean... 
despite them hanging out in the setting, they are always tending to the plants or as we see in like the history side of the Ogier mm-hmm. society, they have worked stone, they're great builders, they raise sheep inside the setting. The women Ogier are extremely talented in embroidery. Mm-hmm. And then the elder women, I love this chapter in The Great Hunt, but we get a description of one of these older Ogier women Mm -hmm. and her garment is said to be decorated from like collar to hem in this floral and nature motif embroidery. And it just sounds really cool, Mm -hmm. really pretty. And they make their own jewelry and everything's always alluding to nature. So, what has their role been in the Westlands so far? And I tried to kind of break this up into, like, the various categories, starting with the Age of Legends. So, in the Age of Legends, Ogier worked with humans, primarily the Dashain, Dashain Ayil, and the Nim, and used their tree singing, and you wrote in here seed singing, is it different? It would okay, it would be seed singing in this situation, wouldn't it? That's what I thought. Okay, that makes so much more sense. But they're able to use their uh magical musical abilities to help aid in predictable growth of crops. And this is actually kind of impressive because this this working together is what makes it so that I mean, according to Things that have come down that there was no um, shortage of food during the Age of Legends. Like, if you can predictably control your weather and when things sprout and whatnot the way that you can here, then you always have a food supply. So, hooray, Ogier! And then, in the Old Tongue, they're known as Tia Avenda Allenton. Mm-hmm. Brother of the trees or tree brother. Then War of the Shadow or Breaking of the World. They were combatants and I didn't, like I had never read this before, but had also been a police force led by Luz Theron as their elected head. And now I have like. I think that's pretty cool. I do too, but. Sergeant, Sergeant, son of, son of, son of, son of. Yeah. But I. Go arrest this man. (laughs) I'm putting Ogier in police uniforms now like old school like 60s 70s police uniforms they have aviator sunglasses handlebar mustaches yeah yeah just turning into him <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say a bad uh porno script oh oh um <laughs> okay not my so intention because of the Yeah, because of the breaking of the world, the settings have all shifted and moved and destroyed, and the Ogier were, of course, lost and driven into flight, not having a home anymore. Mm -hmm. And the settings were not only their home, but it's essentially their means of survival because of the longing. So after this happens, it's... It's something, like, I think about, like, humans needing air to breathe or needing water to survive. Like, it's 
just on their basic level of like what they need as you know what their body needs what their mental health needs I guess like mm-hmm. it's essential to them so this was like the most difficult hardest time for the Ogier and it became known as the long exile and as this longing grew inside of them they were really fractured as a people as a society mm-hmm. and then after the breaking of the world it was 98 AB when the Ogier took up stonemason tree mm. and the Aes Sedai at the time were like the first of the people to kind of recognize like, hey, these Ogier have a craft that they're good at and we want to take advantage of that. So they kind of commissioned the Ogier to like build Tarvalin for them Mm -hmm. and they were brilliant builders and because of their affinity for growing things you know like everything they create looks like it comes from nature yeah and this was also true with their mason work Mm -hmm. so the ice that I this is actually I had no idea about this but it makes total sense the ice that I gave the Ogier f- complete free range and shaping and crafting Tarvalin, you know, there's these beautiful bridges mm-hmm. and the layout of the city itself is supposed to be beautiful. Like it just grew out from, you know, nature itself mm-hmm. where it's just such a cool thing to kind of try to imagine. And what I didn't know was that Although they were able to do whatever they wanted within Tarvalin, mm-hmm. the White Tower itself was created by the Aes Sedai. Like, that was their planning. So the Aes Sedai oh. were like, we want the tower to be like this. And it was planned by the Aes Sedai. So the structure itself lacks the Ogier's, I guess, organic touch. Interesting. And... It was created in tandem with the Ogier and the Aes Sedai wielding the one power simultaneously, similar to like how the ways was created. Mm. I didn't I didn't realize that. I didn't know that either. I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I wonder what it would have looked like had the Ogier just been given, like, free reign. Probably, like, a great tree, you know? Like... Oh, what a great idea! I mean, and it makes sense, because the tower itself, it it looks like a tower, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not... It's not La Sagrada Familia. Like, it's Mm-mm. more of, like... It's more formidable than it is inviting and lacks yeah. the organic natural feel that comes across in so many of the descriptions that are given. Like, Ogier stonework feels playful, and the White Tower does not. <laughs> well, so. yeah, like, I'm just, I always think about kind of like the, what is it, the Fibonacci, Fibonacci sequence, mm, like the mm-hmm. Nautilus, mm-hmm. you know, like how everything in nature kind of like has this shape. And that's kind of how I see Tarvalin, mm-hmm. like that has this like cue from nature. And then, of course, the White Tower is just like some, you know, like giant baby was like, hey, I'm going to build like this big, tall, tall block <laughs> tower. It's circular. You know, like it doesn't have mm-hmm. that loving 
playfulness, like you said, to it mm-hmm. that I feel like the Ogier would inspire. It's more of like, look at us, mm-hmm. fear us, respect us. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they are above and outside of nature, and that's why Maybe. they wanted it to be something that would Their contrast. Ivory tower. Yeah, you know. Meh. So also during the breaking of the world, we have the male channelers going mad because of the taint on Sidene, and the Ogier have offered them sanctuary within the setting because they can no longer channel there. And there are definitely thoughts about what the consequences were that came about because of this. Some believe it prolonged the breaking of the world. Some feel as though it saved the world from being completely broken. Either way, the the men who could channel created the Waygate as a gift for the Ogier. And we've talked about the Waygate several times, but it's basically just a quasi-quick way to get from one place to the other that was created using tainted sighting. Quasi-quick travel, because, I mean, you still have to walk along however many paths and go over all of the bridges and sleep and eat. But it's still quicker than, like, taking months to get from one place to another. So in that respect, it's much faster. There is somewhat of a formal education that happens within the setting so the ogier aren't just taught by like their parents Mm. they have an apprenticeship program so like this is something that they would use to train the young and i'm assuming like you would be this is just a guess this is nothing i read but i couldn't find much more on it Mm -hmm. besides there is an apprenticeship program but I'm assuming that if you had the talent for tree singing or, you know, woodworking or masonry or whatever it might be, you mm-hmm. would kind of, like, get grouped up to see, like, what you were capable of doing. So it does seem like they do have a higher level of education than just herding sheep, if that makes yeah. sense. No, it does make sense. I was kind of wondering in regards to this apprenticeship program, I would almost have to wonder if there is also like a connection to how small the youth population is among Ogier. Like they have, they probably have like almost an open invitation to learn from various different people who really know what they're doing. And, like, I mean, what does a decade matter to them? You can go hang out with this person for a decade. See how that goes. Don't like that? Well, yeah. Move on yeah, to this next Yeah, you have time. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't have to settle in and make choices. Like, I love this. Uh, so then the next... The next thing for uh, timelines in association with Ogier is the Trolloc Wars. Uh, this is one of those moments where the Trollocs actually came out to fight against the Shadow Spawn. So they are not spectators in this particular conflict. And at some point during all of the fighting, 
they were considered too dangerous to be around. And this, they're, uh, they're stepping out of the setting to come and fight in this war, like, kind of goes against their normal habit of not getting involved with humans. And then we already talked about Trollocs. Emmerdral will not enter a setting. So, I mean, I guess they would have had an option to stay safe. Like, they could have hung out mm-hmm. in their setting and just determined that, you know, they would. Yeah. I guess the fear would be if the Trollocs won the Trolloc War, what do they eat when they run out of humans? Yeah. Like, how desperate do they need to be until they come to the setting next? Yeah. I mean, that's that would be my yeah. argument. Yeah. And I mean... The Ogier prefer things that are growing and living, and if all of humanity is wiped out, then that does not give them a very welcoming place to live. And I can't see them wanting Truth. that. So, yeah, I, f- I feel as though this was one of those moments. Great stamp. Let's all get together and do some fighting. And they are fierce. And currently they have a habit of remaining reclusive in the setting. So since the the Trolloc Wars, people see Ogier less and less often. And this has led many in the Westlands to think of them as myths or legend. And um they will they will leave from the setting if they're requested to do so, like if I don't know, let's say the king of Kyrian decides he needs his towers worked on. He'll get in touch with Yogir and ask him, ask them to come and work on his towers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Tracy, Uh, I feel so bad for you right now. I'm so sorry. Thanks. Struggling. It's I can, cool. I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm even in like my comfiest <laughs> of comfy chairs with like a blanket and everything, and I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. Hey everyone. No ad this week. Just an announcement. We have recently opened listener support on Anchor. This means that you, our listeners, can help us expand our project through monthly donations. The three tiers are for 99 cents. or $9.99 per month. This is not like Patreon where there are perks for specific tiers. However, monthly support would enable us to do listener giveaways on a regular basis, as well as hire help with managing our hefty workload. We put our hearts fully into the content we create, but we can only do so much as two people. On top of that, we are in the process of developing a few additional projects that we can't wait to share with you. Your support of the podcast, of us, means more than we can ever say. If you are interested in contributing, there is a link available in the show notes. As always, thank you for being with us and enjoy the rest of the episode. Spoilers! Yeah, we go to spoilers now. Spoiler time! So you wanted to talk about our first Ogier encounter. I did. Strapping young lad. Loyal is one of those characters that you are so thankful you get from the beginning of the series all the way to the end of the series. And I just, 
he's young for no gear. He basically has runaways, thirst of knowledge and adventure and knapsack full of hope and books. And that's, I mean, Loyal's love for books is just absolutely amazing. Um, I was looking for scenes of his from the last battle today. And one of <laughs> at one point, he's like, jumping back into the fight he's like i have a book to finish <laughs> and at first i was like to write or to read because i can see either one like pushing him forward with the decisions that he chooses to make um but i feel like he's such a good introduction to yogir because he is young he is like eager to befriend rand when they meet and then he's like still got all of this knowledge that he just gifts upon everyone around him. He's pretty much like if Moraine or Lan isn't there, he's the next best person character for an in, like an exposition dump. Yeah, you know, like he's so needed in that aspect mm -hmm. where someone's got to tell these hasty humans <laughs> what the history of everything mm -hmm. is. And sometimes even the history of themselves. Like, because he knows so much, he often is there to fill in holes that certain characters have, like, no future knowledge of that he's like, oh, well, I know this, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, that's, that's wonderful, Loyal. Thank you. You need those people. You know, need those people who can, like, know all those things to be able to share with you so i appreciate Truth. him and i appreciate the fact that he's like just really gregarious is that the word i'm looking for he's benevolent and kind and i really like loyal um he is also a gifted tree singer which that's not super common so he's also rare in that and one of the few romances romances in Wheel of Time that really like sits in my heart is the Loyal and Aerith. Like all the way back to book two. He's been carrying around a book with flowers in it from her. So sweet. Yeah, I think they are one of the I don't know. There's a, a nice romance story there, especially when some of our main characters just their relationships are a lot of sniffing and braid tugging. And <laughs> yeah. No, Loyal and Erythema they meant for each other. Like someone wrote them to be together like that. Um, Who would have thought? I know, right? Not, not me. Not us. Not nope. me. Not at all. Uh, Ogier of Other Places. This is something that I loved because we get such a different set of Ogier from the Shanchen. Like, they don't suffer from the longing the way that Ogier and the Westlands do. And the idea being that they're more steady and accessible to Ogier and Shan Chen, and so they never developed the same sickness. 
as Theogir in the Westland, and some serve as gardeners, which is... Sounds misleading. It really... I mean... At least, why not, like, the Reapers or something? Like, if you're gonna go for, like, an <laughs> agricultural theme... The Shanchen Hose. <laughs> the Shanchen Rakes. Ooh. The Shanchen... Rakes is good. <laughs> that one. It can be taken so many different ways. Maybe they're rakish in their approach as well. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, but they're they're not. They're not happy Ogier gardeners the way that I would think of Ogier gardeners. They are fighters. They are part of the Shan Chen Death Watch Guard. And they're the only section of the Death Watch Guard that is not owned by the Empress. She basically owns everyone else. Yeah, I guess we should explain that the Death Watch Guard is like a almost like a branch of the military in yeah. Shanchen. So like they are warriors. Yeah, like elite. Aren't they? Like, the Death Watch Guard is, like, an elite group that's... Mm -hmm. And specifically to protect the Empress, right? Yeah. Okay. For the most part. That's yeah. kind of what I thought. They do, like... There are instances where they're sent to do things where they're not just, like, bodyguards, mm -hmm. I guess. But, yeah. Yeah. But I think, like... <laughs> What's interesting about the gardeners mm -hmm. is that I've talked about it before, and it's just this compared to the Ogier and the Westlands, they're really grim mm -hmm. and have like a completely different what feels like to me outlook on life, mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. Like they're just their culture is completely different than the Ogier of the Westlands. And I think, like, for me, this is another one of my many Ogier mm -hmm. theories is that this is, like, this Ogier assimilation theory where the Ogier and Shanchen never developed the longing, so they didn't really seclude themselves. Like, mm -hmm. they were able to travel anywhere they went within Shanchan lands mm -hmm. and therefore live closer to the humans and maybe assimilate to the Shanchen culture more easily than the Ogier and the Westlands would be able to do because they're stuck in steadings I think for that, long, longer I think that amounts of time. That makes a lot of sense. Do you I think mean, to me that's the only that's the only way I can wrap my head around it? Do you think that the Shanchen Ogier potentially have a shorter lifespan because of their closer contact to humanity maybe their i mean mortality rates involved in battle possibly i don't think so because the shanchen have been since the time of luther pendrag mm -hmm. i don't remember his name the son of arthur hawkwing mm -hmm. they would have been living there I guess somewhat, like, there's not really warring going on at this point. Hmm. Was there? I mean, I don't... I feel like... 
I, I mean, I feel like there would be like insider royal family trying to step over that. one another to reach the throne and then potentially like if you're a gardener sworn to one empress or emperor what happens when that one is overthrown mm-hmm. do they just get sworn in like the next batch like they aren't hurt or put to death or anything the i mean i feel like the well, yeah, like the Ogier have a certain status in Shanchen mm-hmm. that normal people don't. So I feel like they would be treated better. I mean, if if you, if for example, if I was second in line, my brother was first in line, I kill my brother. Do I go in and have all of his gardeners put to death? Or are they such a commodity that I want to keep them somewhat happy and appeased and just bring them in under new leadership Mm -hmm. i mean i don't know like i feel like they're given more than the regular human in Mm -hmm. shanchen therefore they might have a better life therefore maybe longer just as long lifespan like they're afforded opportunities and a lifestyle that maybe commoners or peasants do not Mm -hmm. i don't know it's a possibility. I think you're on to something. Yeah. 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 No. <laughs> so where are we here? Okay. This is something I didn't mean to like yell. This is something <laughs> that like I can't wrap my head around, but I don't know if the Shanchen Ogier know about the Book of Translation. I mean, I'm they thinking. Aren't... I'm thinking. I don't feel like they are a part of the Great Stump. So therefore, like, do they even know their Oh my gosh the okay. book of translation even exists? But if they if they don't and they use and the they book of translation, it, do they still get because pulled along with the other O'Gear and then do you suddenly I say have, yes. I do too. But then do you have two warring ideologies of Ogier at that point? Like, do you have the ones that are trained for and live for battle and domination versus, like, our tree-loving buddies who live in settings in the westlands like that would be yeah just this is my wild. this is a way better fourth age spinoff than <laughs> many i've seen proposed i mean wouldn't that be crazy that's how that's yeah, how people i mean they're go ahead don't they say like sometime in the fourth age is when they're supposed to leave anyways or at some point in the future, they are supposed to leave. They don't know when that time is, but there will be a time. Mm-hmm. So that means at some point, these Ogier better get it together, <laughs> come together, mm-hmm. and put aside any differences because yeah. they're going to have to live out that time together. Oof. Yeah. Oh, that's just wild. Okay. Last battle time. I think, like, the most important thing, like, besides their contribution to the last battle is the Great Stump. Mm-hmm. And, like, we've previously mentioned what a Ogier stump is when they 
They all do a tap dance routine on the great tree stumps. Just kidding. Okay. But these big <laughs> these big meetings that they have, like there are rules to them, and the elders preside, and any ogier may speak at the stump, but usually like an advocate is chosen mm-hmm. to kind of like present the case before the council council of elders. But the great stump is the most important Ogier stump, and this is called Before the Last Battle, mm-hmm. and this is when they debate opening the Book of Translations and world hopping yeah. or staying. <laughs> so this is like, yeah. And I mean, obviously, the Ogier fight in the last battle. They don't world hop. No. So. In fact, they are, I would say they're invaluable to absolutely yeah um there are a couple spots in a memory of light that are particularly they're not very many but i think they do a really good job of kind of like highlighting the transition between loyal the the ogier we know and love to ogier who's throwing around trollocs and hacking them down with his axe and like they go from seeing like he and his his group of ogier go from singing a song of mourning to a song of life because loyal is like i'm not going to die here this is not the end we're gonna keep going forward we're going to live but yeah that's just one of those chapters for me where it was like tears streaming down my face where yep. they're like singing and singing and slaughtering. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, yeah. I can't help it. Yeah. I mean, they don't fuck around. They basically just like all the Ogier just kind of seem to go through it. That they do. I, I you know what? I had an, as something an analogy somewhere in my brain and then I lost it. I guess I'm thinking of like <laughs> a sheath a sheath and wheat. Can you just slice right through it? A warm knife. Sky? Yeah. Scythe? One of those things. A warm knife through butter. Can go butter. with that one too. Yeah. They don't mess around and I love that. So just a, like a little nod to our Ogier who became so fierce in battle that the Trollocs became afraid of them well done yeah little little happy clapping and loyal and Aerith make it through grateful and happy to be together covered in blood trollic blood Ugh. but yeah okay this is the very last thing that i had tracy perfect this was it the final question while I was researching, mm-hmm. I found written in the Big White Book that the Ogier are, quote, the only natural, non-human, sentient race known. So. Interesting. That would mean the Finn are either a unnatural or B, humanoid. C, both. Which... <laughs> <laughs> um, ooh. I mean, that almost makes it feel like 
if they're unnatural, like that means like created unnaturally, like not of normal genetics Mm -hmm. or biology. And since that would also lump them as humanoid Mm -hmm. because obviously they do have like a humanoid shape Mm -hmm. and appearance. Mm -hmm. I just don't know. Maybe I'll have to save this question for a Finn 101. Ooh, that's a good idea. Approach it at a later time. But when I found this out, I was like, uh, oh. Okay, there, this, this means something. There are things in there. Like, that's why I'm just sitting here, like, looking at my screen being like, there are so many, there are so many things you could talk about just from that. Mm. Statement. Yeah. Quote. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about doing one for the fin thanks while, so much so for joining us we will continue we to release to new episodes every wednesday we would love if you would fin subscribe up. to the podcast <laughs> leave us reviews and share us with your friends in yeah. the of time community yeah maybe let us know time. what you thought of our content is... correct us send us things we may <laughs> okay. have missed now is you the can time find links to our email and social mm-hmm. media accounts in the show notes right. and if you have well, the anchor app we leave voice it message that for us to play yeah i think i think i feel very good we also have a website where you can find links to our discord channel social media platforms and Thank you. Good, so good until night next week. Thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin. Say, say bye, Tracy. Bye, Tracy. I did it this time. <laughs>